verse number 159. So we were learning about the people of the book, the Jews and the Christians. In particular, the false belief of the Christians concerning Isa salam. What was that false belief? That they claimed that he was the son of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rejects that. He refuses that. And at the same time, the false assumptions of the Jews concerning Isa salam, even they are negated. What were their false assumptions? That he was not a messenger, rather he was a liar. And that they claimed to have killed him. But what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? That they never killed him. وَمَا قَتَلُوهُ يَقِينًا For sure, for certain, they did not kill him. Because the one who is in the way of Allah, then what happens? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects him and defends him. Allah saves him from the tricks of shaitan, from the tricks of people, from their plots in order to harm him. So, Isa salam, Allah rescued him. How? بَرَّفَعَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَيْهِ Allah lifted him up to himself. And the people thought they had assassinated him, whereas in reality the whole matter was made confusing to them. And then Allah says, وَإِمْ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ And there is none from the people of the book, meaning every single Jew and every single Christian. إِلَّا except لَيُؤْمِنَنَّ بِهِ Surely he will definitely believe in him. In who? In Isa alayhi salam. قَبْلَ مَوْتِهِ Before his death. Meaning every single Jew and every single Christian will eventually believe in Isa salam before he dies. Who dies? The scholars have interpreted this in two ways. First of all, before the death of Isa salam, Because Isa salam was not given maut. Rather he was lifted up by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that means that he will be sent back again. And this is something that we have been informed of by the Prophet sallallahu that of the signs of the Day of Judgment is that Isa salam will return. And when he will return, then what will happen? In this ayah we see that eventually every single Jewish person and every single Christian person will believe in him. Believe in him, this means that right now they don't believe in him. Correct? If they're going to believe in him then, this means that even though they claim to be Christian, they claim to be Jewish, they don't believe in him. Why? Because their belief in him is not correct. If there's a person who believes about Isa salam that he's the son of God, then it's as though he doesn't believe in Isa salam because that is an incorrect thing about Isa salam He's not the son of God. Who is he? The messenger of Allah. So every single Jewish man and woman, every single Christian person will also believe in Isa salam before Isa salam will die. Meaning before death will come to Isa salam all the Jews and the Christians will have accepted him will have believed in him. There is another interpretation of this verse, which is that qabla mautihi, his death, refers to the Jewish person and the Christian person. Meaning every single person from among the people of the book, when the angel of death comes to him, then at that time, that individual, he realizes the reality of Isa salam and he believes in the truth of Isa salam Even though he rejected it before, at his deathbed, at the time of his death, he will come to believe in him. Now obviously this is something that we don't see because the person is 
in the ghamaratul maut he is in sakaratul maut he is in the pangs of death and we don't know what the angels are saying to him we don't know what conversation is taking place but tell me if a person believes at that time on seeing the angel of death or because the angel of death has informed him is that belief going to help him is it going to help him not at all this is just like firaun he also eventually believed in musa alayhi salam eventually believed in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but when when he saw death Correct? When he saw death, he accepted. But that acceptance did not benefit him at all. So what's the point then? The point is that right now they are so stubborn on their kufr. Right now, they are so firm upon their false beliefs. But the reality is that when the angel of death will appear, when the truth will come to light, then they will surrender. Then they will submit. This is just like many times what happens is that we are firm on our bad habits. Right? People become very firm on their wrong ways. But then what happens when they're in trouble? When they see that there is no way out? Then they give up. Then they surrender. Then they want to change themselves. This is just like in the Qur'an we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to spend in His way. To spend in His way. And not wait until the death comes to one of us. Because then the person will say that, رَبِّ لَوْلَا أَخَّرْتَنِي إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ قَرِيبٍ Oh my Lord, why did you not give me respite for some more time? فَأَصَّدَّقَ Then I would give sadaqa. وَأَكُمْ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ And I would be of the righteous ones. But the fact is that claiming anything at that time is meaningless. Because if a person did not do something for his entire life, then how is he going to do it after that? As soon as he's back in his comfort zone, he's going to go back to his usual ways. So, وَإِن مِّنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ إِلَّا لَيُؤْمِنَ النَّبِهِ قَبْلَ مَوْتِهِ وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And on the day of judgment. The worst thing is that on the day of judgment, يَكُونُ عَلَيْهِمْ شَهِيدًا Isa a.s. himself will be a witness against them. Against who? Against the people of the book. Why? Because he witnessed their sins. He saw their crimes and he conveyed the message to them very clearly. So he will witness against them. He will testify against them on the day of judgment that, Ya Rabb, these people did not believe in me the way they should have believed in me. And those who exaggerated his status after him, those who exaggerated his status after him, those who said that he is a son of God, even those people, he will be a witness against them. That he will say, Oh Allah, I never commanded them to do this. This is just like on the day of judgment. The Prophet ﷺ will be at the Hawd, at the water reservoir, from where he will, at the Hawd Kawthar, from where he will give water to drink to the people of his ummah. And then some individuals will try to come in order to drink from there. But what will happen? They will be prevented. They will be prevented from coming. So the Prophet ﷺ will say that, leave them, they are from my ummah. But he will be told that you don't know what they invented in the deen after you. You don't know what all they invented in the deen after you. So because of that, the Prophet ﷺ will also not wish that they come near him. So this is a reality that any person who exaggerates in the deen, who leaves the correct deen, changes it, alters it, with whatever intention, no matter how good his intention is, such a deen will not be accepted from him on the day of judgment. Instead, the Prophet of Allah will testify against him. فَبِظُلْمٍ مِّنَ الَّذِينَ هَادُوا So these are the consequences in the hereafter. 
In this world also there are consequences. Allah says, so because of the injustice of who? Of الَّذِينَ هَادُوا Of those people who became Jews. Meaning of the Ahlul Kitab, in particular the Yahud, because of their injustice. Which injustice? The list of crimes that have been mentioned so far in the previous verses. Whether it was their transgression in the Sabbath, or it was their changing the words of Allah, Whatever crimes they committed, Allah says, فَبِظُلْمٍ مِّنَ الَّذِينَ هَادُوا Because of their injustice, great injustice. Allah rescued them, they worshipped the calf. And you might say that, well, it was only those people of that generation who worshipped the calf. Why did the generations later have to suffer the consequences? Because the thing is that they were proud of their ancestors. They were proud of their ancestors. They never felt guilty about what their ancestors did. Rather, they spoke of their sins, of their ancestors so proudly. This is just like we learned earlier, how proudly they said, إِنَّا قَتَلْنَا الْمَسِيحَ We killed Isa a.s. Whereas in reality, they didn't kill him. But they proudly said that they killed him. So pride over sins, okay, being happy about sins, or confirming or supporting a sinful person, makes the person equally accountable, equally responsible. Meaning a person may not have committed a sin himself, but if he supports a sinful person, he supports him, then in that case he is equally responsible. So Allah says, فَبِظُلْمٍ مِّنَ الَّذِينَ هَادُوا Because of their injustice, what happened? حَرَّمْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ We forbade for them. We made impermissible for them. We prohibited for them. What did we prohibit for them? طَيِّبَاتٍ Good things. Plural of طَيِّبَة Some good things which were previously أُحِلَّتْ لَهُمْ Which were previously permissible for them, later on they were made forbidden for them. Why? Because of their injustice. Why else? And وَبِصَدِّهِمْ And also because of their stopping عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ From the way of Allah كَثِيرًا Much. Meaning because of their frequent stopping people from the way of Allah. Because of these two crimes, which two crimes? Their injustice and their stopping others from the way of Allah. What happened? Halal things, good things were made haram upon them. Is that a big deal? Yes, it is. Has it ever happened with you? There's a certain food product that you eat regularly or you've been eating all those years. And then one day your friend tells you, did you check the ingredients? Did you check the ingredients? There's this and this in it. So it is not halal. And so therefore you can't have it anymore. Has it ever happened with you? Or you found out, like a person like me, when I used to live in Pakistan, skittles were halal. Why? Because they're processed over there, they're made over there in that part of the world, in Malaysia, Indonesia, so they are halal. When I came here, everybody told me, skittles haram, skittles haram, skittles haram. Why? Because they have certain ingredients which are not halal. Alhamdulillah, recently I checked, I didn't see anything that was wrong in it, so Alhamdulillah, I could eat it again. But for so many years, I couldn't have skittles. Okay? And just those few years where you can't have something, and you've tasted it before, you've enjoyed it before. Right? You feel so terrible, you feel so horrible. Even though it's just a candy. Just a candy. And there's so many other options out there. But just to know that you can't have it anymore, it really brings about the feeling of deprivation in your heart. That when a person becomes sick and the doctor says, you can't have this, 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 this. And you see the food before you, but you can't have it. 
If you were perfectly fine and then all of a sudden you developed sensitivity to a certain food product, or the doctor told you you're allergic to a certain food, and you can't have that anymore. And so many things have those food products. So you can't have so many things anymore. And that you know, makes you feel so deprived. It hurts you. It makes you feel so sad. My son is allergic to nuts and I keep telling him that inshallah when you'll be a big boy, you'll be able to have them. So every day he asks me, Mama, can I have it now? Am I big enough now? I say, no, inshallah, make dua. Hopefully inshallah you'll be able to have it. So when you know that you can't have something, you feel bad. You do feel bad. So imagine it's not because of an illness. It's not because of not being able to afford. It's not because of some other reason, but it's because Allah doesn't allow you anymore. Allah does not allow you anymore. That's why you can't eat it. It's a punishment for your sins. That is much worse. So, فَبِظُلْمِ مِنَ الَّذِينَ هَادُوا حَرَّمْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ طَيِّبَاتٍ أُحِلَّتْ لَهُمْ وَبِصَدِّهِمْ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ كَثِيرًا And because of their stopping people from the way of Allah. How did they stop people from the way of Allah? By not letting them come on the way of Allah. By not letting them follow the religion of Allah. By saying that this is only for us and not for you. It is only for us and not for you. By not taking the deen of Allah to other people. By not inviting people to the deen of Allah. Don't we do the same thing sometimes? That we think our religion is only for us. This is why we don't inform other people about it. If they seem to be interested, we don't share with them. If they ask questions, we just be quiet. So in a way that's stopping people from the way of Allah. This is indirect. And sometimes people directly stop people from the way of Allah. How? By their words, by their actions. Sometimes because of their arguments, their fights, the sins that they commit. And as a result, what happens is that people think that this religion is so horrible. That if the people of this religion are so evil, then this religion must be more evil. So as a result, people are stopped from the way of Allah. So because of this sin of theirs, what happened? They were deprived of worldly blessings. They were deprived of good things. And in this ayah is a big lesson for us. That sins have consequences. Injustice. Injustice against others. Injustice against the deen. Against the messenger of Allah. Not giving them their right. Not giving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his right. This will result in consequences. What consequences? That a person had certain blessings previously. And now they are gone. Now they are taken away from him. So when certain blessings are gone from our lives, they disappear from our lives, then we must reflect on ourselves. That is it some sin that I have committed? You know, scholars, they used to critically analyze themselves so much. One of the scholars, he said that this test that I'm suffering from now is because of a sin that I committed 40 years ago. 40 years ago, I committed a sin and now I see the result of that in my life. So, little, little sins that we commit, injustice that we do. For example, the husband or the children, or our friends or our siblings or our parents, our grandparents, uncles and aunts. This will have consequences. Because what is zulm? Not giving the other the right that they deserve. So because of this injustice, serious consequences in life.
wa akhdihim riba and also they suffer this because of another crime which crime they're consuming of riba they're taking riba they're taking interest wa qad nuhu anhu whereas they were forbidden from it they were clearly forbidden from it but yet they took riba and obviously if some people took riba that meant that other people were giving riba because if no one gives riba then who can receive it so both are responsible those who take it and those who give it because no one can take it until someone is willing to give it to him so wa akhdihim riba they're consuming interest because of that what happened good things were taken away from them blessings were snatched from them happiness was taken away from them because of their taking riba why does a person take riba so that he can be more happy he can have more blessings and the exact opposite happens when we deal with riba as if asking allah to take blessings away from us and are we not forbidden as well we are forbidden from taking riba the bani israel were forbidden from taking riba but what justification did they give that innama albay'u mithlu riba they said that bay'r is just like riba riba this is just like business that you invest your money and you gain a profit so i'm giving a loan and i'm gaining a profit over that they gave an excuse was it accepted it wasn't wa akhdihim riba wa qad nuhu anhu wa aklihim and because of their consumption their eating they're taking of what amwal the properties plural of mal the property of who annasi of the people they're taking the property of people how bil batil in false ways in incorrect ways through wrong ways what are the wrong ways of taking other people's property what's the right way of taking somebody's wealth first let's look at the right way what's the right way what's the haq way Okay so for example a person inherits okay what else what's the right way yeah Okay good so for example a business transaction you give the money and you take what belongs to them so it becomes yours so business transaction that's a correct way of taking somebody's property what else that if they gift it to you okay likewise they lend it to you it's an amana with you they've allowed you to use it but eventually you do have to return it so these are all permissible ways of taking other people's property what's the wrong way okay theft what else what else yes huh charging interest if a person has given 50 he deserves only 50 back if he takes 60 back that 10 on top is what interest it is taking somebody's wealth in the wrong way How about bribe? Taking a bribe from someone in order to do something for them. Hmm? How about inventing things in the religion and then charging people for the services? Like for example, I remember reading a fatwa in which a person had asked about their deceased parent that they did not used to pray salah regularly. So what are the consequences? They said you have to pay the fine. Okay, how much is the fine? for every salah it was a certain amount of rupees okay multiply that by 5 multiply that by how many ever years they were supposed to pray so it came up to thousands and thousands of rupees hundreds and thousands rather which they had to pay why as qada is there any 
basis for this in the religion? Not at all. There's no basis for this in the religion. So inventing things in the religion, charging people for it, okay, for the fees, and people have no idea what they're doing, what they're getting into. Yes? So borrowing something from someone and not giving it back. Right? So, Snatching something from someone, robbing them. You know, one is to take secretly without letting them know. But the other is taking it by force. غصب. So, All of these are great crimes. And we have prepared for the disbelievers amongst them, those who refuse to believe, those who reject, such people for them is alima, a painful punishment. So such behavior, what does it bring about? Painful punishment in the hereafter. And in the dunya also, there are consequences. What are the consequences in the world? Blessings are taken away. Consequences in the hereafter, painful punishment. But some people are different. Some people are different. Who are they? Allah says they are الرَّاسِخُونَ They are those who are firmly grounded. Rasikhun plural of rasikh. We did this word earlier in Surah Ali Imran. Rasikh is from rasakha. What does rasakha mean? To be firmly grounded. Like a nail that is firmly grounded, that is firmly pinned, okay, into the wall. So that when you will hang something on it, even if it's really heavy, it will not fall. Why? Because a large portion of it is inside the wall. Likewise, there is a building. Okay? It's not just sitting on the ground, but rather a large portion of it is deep. The foundations, they are hidden in the ground. Whereas if it's sitting on the earth, on the ground, then what will happen? It's not solid enough. It's not strong enough. It's weak. So, الرَّاسِخُونَ Those who are firmly grounded in what? ilmi In the knowledge. What does it mean? Think about it. That there is a pot of mud that you have. Okay? A pot of mud. And then you have a stick. You put the stick on top of the mud. What will happen? It will fall. Right? Okay. You push the stick into the soil, into the mud. Okay? Let's say an inch. What will happen? It will stand for a few moments and then eventually it will fall. You push it deeper and deeper and deeper then what will happen? It will stand straight. It will not fall. This is what it means by rasakhafi. When something is grounded in something. When does it happen? When there is a deep connection. When there is a deep connection. When the two things are joined. Okay? When the stick is joined with the mud. How? That there is a deep connection. It's within it. So rasikhuna fil ilm, who are they? Those whose knowledge is connected with them. Those whose knowledge is connected with them. You understand? There is no disconnect between their ilm and their lives. Between their ilm and their actions. Between their ilm and their words. No. They are grounded in that knowledge. So what does it mean then? That what they know, they act on it. 
What they learn, Allah has commanded us to do it, they do it. What they learn that Allah has forbidden us from it, they stay away from it. This is who is الرَّاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ It doesn't just mean someone who knows a lot, someone who has a lot of information, someone who has a lot of understanding. This is not the only meaning. Yes, this is a meaning. Because with deeper understanding, you have better implementation. But that's not the only thing. Because a person can be a great scholar, very knowledgeable individual, but their actions could amount to zero. Who are الرَّاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ Firm in knowledge and firm in action. Firm in knowledge and firm in action. They know the commands and prohibitions. They're not ignorant. First of all, they know. And they take them seriously. They observe them properly. So they're grounded in that knowledge. There's no disconnect between their knowledge and their actions. So, لَكِنِ الرَّاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ مِنْهُمْ From among the people of the book, those who are grounded in knowledge, who take their deen seriously, وَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ And those who believe, the believers. Meaning, the Ummah Muhammad wasallam, primarily referring to the companions, the Sahaba. All of them, those from the people of the book who have ilm and who do amal, and from among the sahaba, al-mu'minun. All of them, Allah says, yu'minuna, they believe. In what? Bima unzila ilayka. In that which has been revealed to you. Meaning they believe in the Qur'an. وَمَا أُنزِلَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ And they also believe in that which was revealed before you. Whether it's the Torah, the Injil, the Zabur, whichever scripture that Allah has revealed, they believe in it. But it's not just about belief. Remember? الرَّاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ Not just knowledge. Because you could say that belief is like knowledge. But not just knowledge. وَالْمُقِيمِينَ الصَّلَاةَ Action as well. Which action? First and foremost, those who establish the prayer. They're the ones who establish the salah. مُقِيمِينَ Plural of مُقِيم The evidence, okay, the proof of a person being firmly grounded in knowledge, having the correct understanding of the deen, is what? That this person will pray salah properly. That he takes the matter of salah seriously. مُقِيمِينَ salah. And what does it mean by establishing the prayer? Not just praying when you feel like it, when it's easy, but praying regularly. Not missing, not skipping. And praying at the right time, not delaying, not procrastinating, not doing qada, but rather praying on time. Yes, we are human beings. There will be times when a person might sleep in unintentionally, but it's not a habit. Establishing the salah also means performing the salah properly, that a person is not, you know, stealing in the prayer. And what is the theft of the prayer? That a person does not perform the arkan completely. He goes down to sajda, subhanahu bil and gets up immediately. He doesn't even bother to pronounce the words clearly. He doesn't even become still in a position. Rather, he just whizzes through the prayer in order to complete it. That's not iqamatu salah. So, wal muqimina salah, they establish the prayer. Wal zakata, and they also give the zakat. The obligatory, the mandatory charity, what they have to spend from their wealth, they spend it. وَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ And they believe in Allah and the last day. أُولَٰئِكَ Those people, سَنُؤْتِيهِمْ أَجْرًا عَظِيمًا Soon we shall give them a great reward. 
I want you to notice one thing over here. It's a little grammatical, okay? but it's interesting. It's an interesting point. I want you to notice it. Look at the words, الرَّاسِخُونَ مُؤْمِنُونَ مُقِيمِينَ مُؤْتُونَ مُؤْمِنُونَ What are these words? Hmm? Plural, right? The wawnun at the end, it indicates plural. And we know that the sign of plural is wawnun and it's also yanun. Okay? But by default, it's always wawnun unless there's a reason for it to be yanun. Okay? The word will always be mu'minun unless there is a reason for it to be mu'minin. Meaning there is something before the word mu'minin that causes the wa'unun to be changed into ya'nun. Okay? You're with me, right? You understand what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Now, and also remember one rule. That whenever there is a wa'u, wa'u meaning and, okay, wa'u with the fatha on it, this is called harf atf. Then what happens is, that the words which are being connected through the wow, harf atf, okay, they will always have the same grammatical state. Meaning if the first one has wow noon at the end, okay, and then there's a wa, then the second word will also have a wow noon at the end. And the third will also have a wow noon. All of them will have a wow noon. Whereas if there's ya noon, and they're connected by wow, then all the words will have ya noon. Okay? But what do we see over here? Rasikhuna fil ilmi minhum wal mu'minuna. Rasikhun, mu'minun. Okay. Yu'minuna bima unzila ilayka wa ma unzila min qablika. Wa? But then, instead of muqimun, it turns into muqimin. And then back to wal mu'tun, wal mu'minun. So why is this al muqimin and not al muqimun? Scholars have given different interpretations. But the one that seems to be most sound, most accurate, is that there is no grammatical reason, there is no real reason for it to be yanun. It is mansub, yanun means mansub, why? For ta'zim, for honor. That it's as though a word is being highlighted, it's being made to stick out the most. Not for a grammatical reason, but for some other reason. And what is that reason? Why is this sifa, why is this characteristic being highlighted? Because salah is what will depict the person's level of iman, the level of ilm that he has. This is it. The salah is the main thing. Iman is hidden. Zakat is not mandatory in every individual. Everyone claims to be believer. Everyone can say that. It's very easy to say, yeah, I have a lot of iman. This Ramadan, my iman is like this. You know, every time I go to the masjid, my iman goes so high. But the point is that when you go to the masjid, are you even praying? You say that Ramadan, my iman is really high, but how often are we praying? It is salah. It is salah that is the key. That will increase your faith. That will show the level of your faith. This is why if ever you want to check yourself, where do I stand? What's the level of my iman? Then check your salah. You want to check yourself? What's the level of my taqwa? Check your salah. You want to see how much you love Allah? Check your salah. You want to see how much this world is distracting you? Check your salah. You want to see what is more important to you? Your homework or your salah? Check that what do you do first? Your salah will tell you. That will tell you the level of your faith. That will tell you the level of your iman. وَالْمُقِيمِينَ الصَّلَاةَ 
establishing the prayer. So those who establish the prayer, their case is different. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in this one verse, a different kind of people. Different kind of people. That they have iman, and they also have action. And this comes with ilm. Let's listen to the recitation. وَإِن مِّنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ إِلَّا لَيُؤْمِنَنَّ بِهِ قَبْلَ مَوْتِهِ وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يَكُونُ عَلَيْهِمْ شَهِيدًا فَبِظُلْمٍ مِّنَ الَّذِينَ هَادُوا حَرَّمْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ طَيِّبَاتٍ أُحِلَّتْ لَهُمْ وَبِصَدِّهِمْ وَبِصَدِّهِمْ عَن سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ كَثِيرًا وَأَخْذِهِمُ الرِّبَا وَقَدْ نُهُوا عَنْهُ وَأَكْلِهِمْ أَمْوَالَ النَّاسِ بِالْبَاطِلِ وَأَعْتَدْنَا لِلْكَافِرِينَ مِنْهُمْ عَذَابًا أَلِيمًا لكن الراسخون في العلم منهم والمؤمنون يؤمنون بما أنزل إليك وما أنزل من قبلك والمقيمين الصلاة والمؤتون الزكاة والمؤمنون بالله واليوم الآخر أولئك سنؤتيهم أجرا عظيما So what do we see in these verses? The justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That how majority of the people from the people of the book who have committed various crimes, who have deserve the punishment of Allah, it doesn't mean that every single person is like that. There are also some people who act on what they know, who respect the law that Allah has given them. And the sign of that is that they observe the prayer properly. So for such people, there is a great reward. And we have to check ourselves also. There are many people who claim to be believers. Right? Many people who claim to be Muslim. But we have to check ourselves. That do I say I believe, yet I oppose? Do I say I listen, yet I disobey? Do I say I love Allah and His Messenger, yet I don't do what will bring me closer to Allah and His Messenger? Rather I'm doing those things that will distance me from them. So we have to look at our actions. Because depending on the actions, are the consequences. Good actions, ajran alima. Disobedience, opposition, adab and alima. Say something good to the person standing next to you. And if you have something to share with the whole class, you may raise your hand. Alright. This Ramadan, make this one of your daily goals that check your salah. Okay? Three things about your salah. First of all, are you praying your salah? at the right time, as early as possible, at the earliest time possible. Secondly, check, are you performing your sunnah? And thirdly, how much nafal are you praying? Whether it is taraweeh or qiyamul layl, or it is the two nafal in the morning, okay, the mid-morning duha, or some people call it ishraq, whatever. You can call it either one of those two terms. But check your salah this month of Ramadan. Every day, ask yourself, my fard, 
Am I praying on time with khushur? Sunnah. How much sunnah did I pray today? Nafal. Did I even pray any nafal today? Because Ramadan is the month of the Qur'an, right? And when do you recite the Qur'an? In salah. That is when you are supposed to recite the Qur'an. So if we're not praying as much, then how much are we reciting? And if we're not reciting enough, then how are we celebrating the month of Ramadan? There is a checklist that I made for myself and also for another class that I'm teaching. If you want, I'll share it with you. And in that, there are all these questions are written about salah, about Qur'an. So every single day you have to check yourself that how much of this did I do? Okay? Inshallah, I'll share it with all of you. I just wanted to share a point that we were discussing right now and we were just saying that Salah is one of the key, like it's a worship that mm-hmm. you do that is has to be consistent. You know, you can pay zakat once in a year. You can give sadqa once a week or mm-hmm. once a month, you know, but really what defines a believer is their Salah. Like are they praying five times a day every day? Mm-hmm. You know, it's this is the true test is your Salah. Yes, very true. The true test is Salah. Because we have to read it so often, only a person who is maintaining his level of faith, increasing his level of faith constantly, can enjoy salah. And the one who's not working on his iman, what will happen? Eventually salah will become boring. It will become like a chore. Assalamu alaikum. Recently we did a course, a book with Ustaza, which uh, the title of the book is something like The Traps of Shaitan. And how shaitan uses different different ways to trap us. And one of the things she said during the course was that um, all of us have 360 joints in our body. And every morning when we wake up, a sadaqa is due on each joint. And it's very hard for us to do 360 different good deeds. So the one way that all of us can pay this sadaqa is by praying the two nafil of duha. And two nafil of duha, it really doesn't take that long. It really doesn't. And make it a habit. When you wake up in the morning, these days because obviously you do sleep after Fajr after some time. First of all, don't sleep immediately after Fajr. Spend some time doing some dhikr, making some dua, reciting some Qur'an, even if it's just for half an hour. And then go to sleep. And then when you wake up and the sun has risen completely, make sure that you perform two nafil salah. At least two, if not four. And imagine it's like you've given sadaqah for your entire body, for every single joint of your body. This is the reward. How many of us can afford to give this much sadaqah? How many joints do you have, by the way, in your body? Not muscles, joints. How many joints? Okay, whatever, but many. Think about it. In your hand only, how many joints do you have? In your spine, your leg, your arm, your neck. So many joints. For every single one of them, it's as though you have given sadaqah. Assalamu yes. alaikum. I was thinking to share uh, the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I read it in the uh, book of Al-Barzakh. You know, a dead person, when he entered the grave, the angel, they ask him, they want to question him. The grave question, they want to question him. And subhanallah, Allah show him like the sun is setting. And he said to the angel, Wait, I need to pray. He think he's in dunya. And they tell him, subhanAllah, because he guards the salat, he want to guard in the grave also salat. Yes. If we guard our salat, then you inshallah will we will guard it. In akhirah, inshallah, the salat will help us. Inshallah. Jazakillah khairan for the reminder. 
سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد ان لا اله الا انت نستغفرك ونتوب اليك السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته